It's May 27th, 2021. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Poke Runyon, and tonight we have as an honored guest Lady Joe Carson, the Avatrix of Peripheria, who will discuss her restoration and fulfillment of Master Fred Adams' cosmos encompassing mandala, the Enneosphere, which incorporates Kabbalistic, astrological, and tarot correspondences in one great design. This masterpiece can be seen on Feriferia's website. That's feriferia.org. I'll spell that. F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. Uh, Under latest editions and on our chsota.org website, on the bogs, uh, listed as Fun with Any of Spears. Now, if possible, you uh, listeners uh, should uh, look at the graphics on these websites while you're listening to this show. And uh, also, we want you to check out Lady Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia, which we just released on Amazon. So, uh, we'll get to that later. So, uh, stay with us and get introduced to the celestial key to the Hermetic Mysteries. Are you, you're there standing by, Lady Joe? I am. Hello, Poke. How are you tonight? Uh, okay. Uh, let's get right on into it. Uh, and, uh, before we, before we start, let me, let me say this. Uh, uh, we, we got, uh, Dancing with Guy, uh, uh, up on uh, on Amazon, uh, but they're they're kind of playing funny games with us. So I want to I want to have all the listeners. Uh, we need you to go on Amazon and 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 look up Dancing with Gaia and and uh, put it on your wish uh, put it on the wish list. Uh, your wish list. You don't, you know, if you put it on the wish list, that doesn't mean you have to order it. But, but, but we, but we got, we, 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 we really, we, we, we really need some help with this. So, please do that. Okay, Joe, let's get on into the uh, into the atmosphere here. Go ahead. All right. Well, um, uh, I hope that some of you have been able to locate the uh, visual on this because we're we're trying to do something challenging tonight, which is describe something that's. Um, extremely visual uh, with our words, and and if you can see it, then you'll be probably get a lot more out of it. Um, but we will paint a word picture anyway. Um, imagine, if you will, a huge circle. Within that circle are nine smaller circles. Now, there are eight circles around the edge, um, kind of symmetrically positioned, and then there's one large circle in the middle, which represents sort of the source or co- of the cosmos or the center of the universe. And each of those exterior circles represents one of the planets, one of the visible planets, or the sun, um, the moon, or the earth, which totals up to being eight. And um, it's, a, it's a way of looking at um, pretty much the same information that you find in the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, but things have a different relationship from each other when they're arranged this way. Um, being within a circle, each sphere has equal value. And you're not looking at something where there's kind of the great above and sort of a chain of being all the way down with the earth in sort of the despised bottom position. Um, 
and you know we have a history of looking at the earth you know those of us who have a spiritual orientation of thinking well you know the earth it's a veil of tears or it's just you know the despised physical you know it's so terrible to be in an earth body and fair fairy is very much about wanting to present a joyful alternative which is that um, all the planets can dance around the ring together and have their relationships with each other, which are unique. Uh, each, and, each and every relationship is important and is signified within our periphery tarot system. And uh, it's a different approach. It, it just, you have more value to what this incredibly pri- privileged position is of having a body and being on earth where you can actually do things that can make a difference and you can have fun. Let me uh, mention uh, where uh, what Fred's, Fred's original source, his original inspiration for this, for this, and and also also mine because I've done some work with it. You know, I developed uh, our uh, Hermetic Rose Cross out of this original design. The original design that both Fred and I have uh, been inspired by is found in. Paul Christian's History and Practice of Magic, which was, he, Paul Christian was a student of Eliphas Levy, and, and he, uh, he did a, a, a French uh, version of the German Craterapoa. Uh, he squeezed, squeezed it all down, down to one, one initiation, the whole seven, uh, seven degrees of Craterapoa. But in in the course of uh, the, the, this exposition, uh, he published uh, a picture of the heliosphere as as, as as a rose cross, and he and he kind of loosely attributed attributed this graphic to uh, Cal Coliostro, although uh, certainly I, you know Coliostro didn't 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 do it or render it but anyway you can find it in paul christian's history and practice of of magic which which is uh uh, uh in hardcover it's a two-volume slipcase set i just thought i'd mention that 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 that, 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 that was well, that was fred's original source for this Go and ahead. i appreciate i appreciate poke that you um are citing sources i think that's such a valuable thing about your approach to teaching is that you do always cite your sources and there are so many teachers out there not to put anybody down but that just sort of say oh you know i channeled it or it's ancient information and that's so disempowering to the students and your approach is great because this allows people to go to the sources themselves and get even more information um directly so thank you for that uh, well i know i know fred told me that that was his original source uh huh. Now I remember yeah. looking at that particular book with you there um, at Rivendell. My memory of it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's an image of a cross with you know your kind of you know rose in the middle of the cross, right? Um, but I don't recall seeing anything like what Fred has done with the same attributes with putting the planets in each of the spheres. Oh, oh is that oh, of in course there? not. He, he he went on and on. Oh, no, he he. He Fred did magnificent uh, uh, work expanding this whole thing and, and making it into a cosmic mandala. And I'm not trying to suggest that he didn't, uh, but that but that that uh, was his original inspiration. And, and right. uh, you know, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out uh, right. because 
Yeah, yeah, we 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 really do. You know, this is the this is the Hermetic Hour, and and, and this is the, the and so this was originally a Hermetic source. Yeah, very okay. much so. Okay, so let's unpack uh, how we can read. It's a very dense set of symbols for those of you who do have it in front of you. Um, as you look at it, you read it very much like a map. So east is on the right, north is on the top, south is on the bottom, and so on. And um, so in the north on ours, we have the moon, the symbol for the moon within its own circle, and directly south of that um, and opposing that in balance with it in a kind of a yin-yang way is the sun. Um, and then on the eastern side, we have the planet of Mercury, and in the west, we have Psyche for the Earth. So that gives you your main four directional planets. And um, in the northeast, we have Jupiter. In the southeast uh, circle, we have um, Mars. In the southwest, we have Venus. And in the northwest, we have Saturn. And in our system, Saturn is considered feminine. Um, she's considered to be kind of like a, a grand old dame or a, a, a crone who is so beyond uh, time and so old that really she doesn't have a strong sexual component to her presence, but she is nonetheless feminine as opposed to masculine in our system. It just didn't seem balanced to have so many of the planets be male and only really Venus um, and the earth as female. So now we have a system that is in fact balanced with um, the male sun on the bottom, the female moon on the top and the male Mercury in the east and the female um, earth in the west and so on. So across from each other, each circle has a planet that is um, in some way, you know, carrying a bit of that um, beauty of its own approach to life. So those are kind of what the planets mean. Now, let's mention that um, almost every ancient tradition has within its lore uh, a discussion of the importance of the planets in terms of what their influence is on us earthlings. And many of those traditions don't really say it outright, you know, exactly, well, this is that planet and that's why it does this. They'll kind of give them a, a God name, right? So each planet has a God name or they'll, you know, embody those things into stories. And then those stories get told and it informs sort of the esoteric lore of that religion or tradition. Did you have a thought there, Polk? Yeah. Well, uh we've uh, we've done quite a bit of uh of uh extrapolation on that that uh, idea and, and you know we just just uh uh just just recently you know we've been involved in in uh going down around the uh around the hinge the 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 hinge that represents the the planets so and this is another another uh uh sort of a system that uh that Fred uh bequeathed to us and that's that's a uh sort of a, a, a well it was originally called a wood hinge a series of uh, wooden uh wooden uh, post uh uh pillars uh with uh, uh with the symbols of the of, of the planets on them and and laid out laid out in an atmosphere pattern and we like we have we have in our in our side yard at at, at Rivendell, and, and and as you have in your in your yard out, out there, uh, 
these can these can be laid out with stones or or with wooden uh, wooden uh, posts, and uh, uh, the, the 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 planets all the way around it. Now we've been re- recently uh, uh, transitioning the original uh, pagan gods, or at least in our Canaanite tradition, into transitioning them into the cabalistic angels, and. Uh, and uh, this is, uh, you know, a Kabbalistic exercise done in the form of a ceremony. Uh, and, uh, you know, and and most uh, uh, most of our seasonal ceremonies, both uh, both uh, periphery and OTA, uh, revolve around the, you know, the, the, on this hinge pattern, which is which is a which is a physical representation of the aniosphere. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that is very yeah. much what the hinge that we have here at our place is. It's a physical representation of the Enneosphere. And when you enter the Enneosphere or into the hinge, you are aware that you're going, for instance, between two particular planets. You choose those particular planets depending on the time of year that you're doing your ritual. Um, yeah. One thing that is different with Seraphiria to what a lot of people have, and I'm, who knows exactly how things evolve, but uh, a lot of times these days um, people have a different idea. They think water is in the west um, and earth is in the north, but Seraphiria um, goes with the assignments of the elements to the directions following the uh, very same Greek philosopher, Empedocles, who was, in fact, the first person to identify the four elements. And so we follow his approach because of the lovely balance that you get between, in this case, the sun and moon um, as a kind of a yin-yang, um, you know, opposites approach. And uh, also when the east and west, we have Mercury um, in the uh, east and um, the earth in the west. And, but that's going to be that the earth is beneath your feet. So that's the, the elemental earth as well as the planet earth. And as you're looking to the east, that the east is... Um, in the sky above your head. So there's an opposition there, right? So the earth beneath your feet, the sky above your head, um, you're standing in the east, in the west, uh, where the earth is, and you're looking up at the sky towards the eastern sunrise. Um, So it has a kind of an elegance because of this um, nice pair of oppositions that you find. Oh, you know, uh, we have have developed a... Uh, an 11-sphere tree of life, and, and I know Fred did too. Fred had, had his own 11-sphere uh, uh, tree of life. We have both of them, both the the peripherian version and the uh, the OTA version are both uh, uh, both presented in the first volume of our Hermetic Yoga book, uh, and uh, which is. And uh, give a plug for that. That that's that's available on Amazon. Anyway. Um, uh, the uh, uh, the spheres of the tree of life, uh, the eleven spheres are reflected in 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 your in your aniosphere, in your version of the aniosphere that we're talking about, that we're discussing this evening, right? Well, um, there it, the Kabbalistic tree of life has two things um, a little different. We it does have sort of the zodiac and then the nil or Kether, you know, up at the top, which is sort of everything and also nothingness, right? Um, And we have the center, which is source. uh, That's our ninth sphere. But there is, because you have two, there's also that one, Da'ath, that we don't actually specifically have, which is a good one because it gives you that place where you go past, you know, from 
absolute idea to the potential for physical reality. It's just the potential at that point was three points, but still, we don't have Da'ath in our symbol, and we don't have uh, specifically the zodiac. We do have source and center, which is the same as Kether. So we have nine spheres, not 11. Right. Uh, and you still can get the uh, the major, you can get all of the hermetic planets uh, uh, in in your hemisphere in your your design, which means that you can you can get. I hope some of our listeners are able to be looking at one of these uh, one of these uh, uh, photos that we have on either either your website or or, or our hermetic website. Uh, uh, and you have you have uh, the Crowley deck, and you have somebody's circular circular card right. deck around the That's outside. That's a uh, mother piece. Have, it's called. Yeah, and then you have uh, uh, then you have a folk deck, and what? And then you have uh, you have uh, Fred's uh, uh, Fred's tarot deck. Right, so you are you are in the process of restoring and 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 filling out. And yeah. Uh, uh-huh. and, uh, yeah. Would you want to discuss that because that would well, well, that is very much involved with the with the with the with the, with the sphere, and and right. and we are you you are working on that. So mm-hmm. tell us how you're coming along with that, and, and um, tell us a little bit about. Sure. It. Okay. So. Um, how that developed was originally we were looking at, um, if you happen to be looking on the feriferia.org um, discussion under the Enneosphere, a psychocosmic tuning system, which is what Fred called it, the very first image you'll see is the beautiful green image of the Enneosphere. And it has a number of symbols um, that might be somewhat enigmatic if you're not familiar with them. Those are symbols around the edge. And uh, those are symbols that Fred designed, and each one corresponds to a letter of the Oum or Ogham alphabet, which is the original first alphabet, the first written alphabet of the Irish people, which spread from there to Wales and uh, Cornwall. Um, and uh, it was used um, starting about maybe 200 to 350 um, common era and it was used for several hundred years and then it, it may have been used before then because the original use was on wood but we can't really find examples of it so the time frame I'm talking about is when we can find examples on in stone that still exists um, and then it was gradually superseded over the course of several hundred years by the Latin uh, alphabet and language but that Oum or Ogham alphabet was memorized by a process of learning in some cases which trees would go with each letter of the alphabet because they had unique seasonal changes that occurred to those trees during that time of the year. But there were other versions of ways, ways to memorize Ogham or Oam as well, such as Hill Ogham or Fort Ogham or Face Ogham or, or Knee Ogham. I mean, it's like Animal Ogham, you name it, Bird Ogham, Cloud Ogham. They had mer- like 200 odd ways to memorize the alphabet. And each one had its own set of attributions. But the one that we find most charming is the tree alphabet. And that one was uh, described and um, kind of rationalized by Robert Graves in The White Goddess, um, which really, this spoke to Fred Adams um, strongly because we're so tree-oriented in Ferrifaria. And he wanted to um, 
come up with symbols that were more poetic than just the the oam or agam symbols. They're very they're just straight lines. That's literally all they are. And then so, they cross a mid. There'll be a long stick-like line in the middle, and then the lines will either go vertical to that, or a little bit of a left-cant angle, or a little bit right-cant angle, and they'll be from one to five um, uh, lines together. And then that makes a letter. And but they're not poetic. So Fred came up with a more, much more poetic uh, version of that alphabet, and that's what you're looking at as you look at the um, exterm, the very outer rim of our aniosphere. And the top one has some charm. At the very top, you see something that looks like a bit of a star on a stick that, in fact, goes with the star, uh, major arcana of, the, of our tarot. Uh, the one just below that is, um, goes with the magician. And the one just below that, um, it looks a bit like a, a, a boat um, on a stick with a little moon on the top of it. And that is uh, the moon card. Uh, poetically appropriate. So um, maybe the one next to it's a bit more enigmatic, but then one further around from that, if you're still looking, um, it looks like you're looking through something that would be uh, a wandering, you know, landscaper, for instance, or site person who was doing sighting of lands could look through this uh, shape, which has the V at the top and the little hole coming down and you're sighting something in the vast distance and this particular image um, goes with the hermit card it's like his staff through which he would look to see things in the great distance so each of these designs has some visual resonance with the meaning of the tarot card that goes with it and also the oem letter that goes with it as we work our way through the major arcana um, and they're positioned around the wheel of the year in positions that seem appropriate to to Ferrari and to Fred, um, in terms of what's going on in the season. For instance, to be give you another example, at the top, like I said, we have the moon, and that's in the middle of winter and winter solstice, and the element of water. And at the south, we have the fire element, and um, a symbol. If you can see it, it's a little upside down from where you're looking. If you're standing in the middle of the circle, looking out at it, it's the sun with its rays pouring down at you. So uh, each of these symbols does have. A, a kind of a resonant feeling um, that goes with what it refers to seasonally. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's a very uh, comprehensive explanation of of, uh, of it, and, and and we're looking forward to you finishing that up, uh, and and get, you know so we can we can have it complete. And uh, you know, I I want to thank you for sending me that uh, uh, the 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 printout of the uh, of the aniosphere on on the on, on the linen cloth, and I, I I spread it out I spread it out in the temple and and and, 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 and you know and it is it's just just beautiful. Uh, are you well? Going there's to a reason, Pope. Uh, there's a reason that I sent that to you. I want you to be able to go ahead and do landscape uh, do do aniosphere divination dances with it, like we did that time that we came down there before and had the. Uh, the dance on it. That was so much fun. Well, well, I'm going to have you come down and and and, and lead them because uh, okay. because I don't remember I don't remember exactly the the step pattern or whatever. And, and so you next time you come down, uh, uh, next time you come down, you can you can lead the dance and I'll, and, But I, you know, as I say, I've got the call. Are you going to be Are you going to be uh, uh, offering those those cloths for sale uh, on the web uh, on the Ferraferia website. You know, I hadn't thought of it. Um, I, I could, you know, um, 
I, I have a, several of them, and I, I suspect that here and there there might be somebody who would like to have them. I want to just explain the cloth that he's talking about looks just like the cloth, the green, the first big image on our um, set of Enneaspheres on the Ferrifera article called the um, Enneasphere Psycho Cosmic Tuning System. So that green image with all the symbols on it is what this cloth looks like, except that it's more or less almost as big as a bedspread. It's pretty large. And the idea for having it so big and being in cloth, well, you can fold it up, but you can lay it down and then you can dance on it. And we, you know, we, we came up a way of, you know, doing divinations by dancing on this cloth. Um, and it's a kind of a way to physically involve your body. And you can imagine that you're sort of joining with the beginning of all things you might say when the initial swirling dance that you know maybe formed the wind and then uh, oh, yeah. the, the whole thing with the ophion the serpent being created out of the wind and the couple you know and it's like the beginning of the cosmic yeah. egg so this is a poetic description of the sort of the origin of all things that you know resonates because it has that idea of dance and movement and and, uh, you know, for, for Fred, and I think for myself as well, the idea of really emphasizing movement and dance, and especially these rhythms that you find in nature, um, that it kind of works with the way our bodies are, the way everything moves, you know, the, the neurons move, you know, kind of with these sort of sine waves of energy. And uh, it's a way to put yourself in touch with greater nature you know is to dance in a rhythmic fashion and so when we do that in a way that we can do our divination and find out more about what's really going on at a given moment um, I think there's a magic to that one thing that Fred was very much uh, in, involved in and interested in was was Taoist uh, constellation dancing and and he uh uh, as you probably uh, know, that uh, uh, this is uh, the, the dancing the constellations uh, on the ground is a Central Asian shamanic uh, practice, and and uh, Fred Fred was very very fascinated by that, and uh, and in fact he uh, I have his his sorry he, he had a he had a big two handed claymore type. Uh, uh, type sword that he uh, that he put the constellations uh, you know uh, painted the const painted the constellations especially the circumpolar ones uh, on the blade of the sword and he and he uh, was uh, I recall had that I, I I seem to recall a film of him uh, doing this did you yeah. did you get a film of him doing this 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 sword dancing. Um, I have a film of him dancing around a central pole. I don't know that I, he was carrying a sword, however. That might be a different film than the one I'm thinking of. Well, as I say, I have the sword up over my mantle, and I treasure nice. it. Uh, mm -hmm. And but the, but the Central Asian uh, shamanic uh, constellation dancing, uh, it, it's... Uh, it's somewhat similar to dancing around the atmosphere, but not, not exactly the same thing because you are, you know, you're dancing a constellation. And, and the one I remember, of course, is the Great Bear, you know, which uh, mm. uh, which has a, 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 a which really has a lot of hermetic symbolism involved in it, along with along with uh, Central Asian shamanic symbolism. Uh, you know, uh, 
I'll just say a few more things about um, if one is imagining that you've got the Ennisphere in front of you, and in case you don't physically have it, um, the uh, the drawing um, has a lot of lovely symbols. The, the one at the middle is the Gnostic symbol of the four directions. So that's a real, it's got a lot of sort of symbolism there. And then um, the you we have the, the um the planets, as I say, and then on the next level out, you have the um, zodiac signs, right? So you can look at each planet and see which zodiacal signs, zodiacal signs go with it. Like in the east, you know, in springtime, you have Aries, of course, and then Pisces next to it. But, you know, then springtime starts, so it's Aries and then Taurus and Gemini and so on around. Um, and then on the next level out, there's a bunch of little marks. And what those marks refer to is each week and one mark per week. And what, what's going on with that is that if you, if you have the uh, 56 tarot minor arcana and you want to distribute them one per week, there's only 52 weeks, but that extra four cards, we divide it up as follows, that um, the Queen of Cups supervises the entire winter season and the Prince of wands supervises the entire spring season and the king of swords supervises the summer season um, starting in the south at summer solstice and then the uh, daughter of uh, pentacles supervises the entire fall season starting with the fall equinox so uh, that uses those cards those court cards members of what we call the divine family and so subtracting those four court cards out you have one remaining uh, minor arcana card for each week of the year, and they they lay in there very nicely, starting of course with the cups on the upper on the top, and then going around on a clockwise fashion. So that is a way of explaining what you're looking at if you've got that image in front of you with all of those tarot cards laid out in order. That's why they're in the order that they're in. Yeah. Uh, and well, I, 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 I couldn't, there's one other thing I'll say. I don't want to take up too much time with this because I know you want to get on to that next item. But let me just say one more thing, if I may, um, that when you look at each of those directions and you think, well, why does, why does that card mean that thing, right? There's many ways that people have come up with attributions. But the main thing that you'll see in um, uh, most tarot decks is the attributions come from the paths on the tree of life that connect one sphere to the next. And where that came from was, um, uh, what's his name? Help me out, Poke. Um, not oh, Elephus Levy, thank you. Elephus Levy in what, 1650, something like that? So he, he came up with that, and correct me on the date if I've got it wrong, that he came up with the idea that each tarot card would have the meaning it had 
because, for instance, it was the card that went from Earth to the moon or from the moon to Mercury or from Mercury to Venus or whatever. And that gave it a meaning. So it was a planetary relationship that gave it a meaning. And I'm sure that Pope can add more to this. But it had to do with the whole Kabbalistic symbolism of the numbers as well. Um, and we have a slightly different way related, but different emphasis, which is it's a relationship between planets, but it has to do with their position within the Enneosphere. And if you look, uh, one, two, three, the fourth Enneosphere down, if you're looking at the one on the uh, Fair Faria website, that shows um, that central sphere, and then the next one after that, it doesn't have the cards on it. You can see very clearly these paths of relationship. There's seven each. Uh, like, say, the sun, you start with the sun at the bottom in the south, and it has a relationship to the one on the left of it, which is going to be Venus, and then it has a line going to Venus, and it has a relationship to the Earth, so there's a line, and so on, up there with, you know, Saturn, and then the sun, and so on. I mean, I'm sorry, the moon. And so it goes around, and there's seven relationships for each um, planet. So there's seven planets, and, I mean, seven relationships for each of eight planets, and you get 56 um minor uh minor arcana cards and that is in fact the reason why we have the meanings that we have in the feriferia uh tarot for our minor arcana so as i said earlier the major arcana are informed by the uh the uh, magical lore of the trees and the traditional relationships of the meanings coming from the images for the major arcana that and then you know these om letters um, so that's our major arcana, and that's Celtic. But our minor arcana are very much informed by the positions of the planets and their personalities, one to the other. Yeah. Well, this this should uh, encourage our listeners to uh, uh, to explore the uh, feriferia.org uh, website and and. Uh, and like I said, I'm really, really looking forward to this, uh, to this uh, uh, Fred Adams tarot deck, and that gets us into uh, the subject of uh, of your film, Dancing with Gaia, uh, and uh, and because, uh, as I said in my review uh, of the film, which is uh, which is on Amazon. Uh, uh, this is the best record that we have of an American hermetic master, and that was our our master Frederick McLaren Adams. And this this man was a uh, was a national treasure that the nation did not did not realize that they had. And and. Uh, uh, and you, you, uh, you have you, you, as a as a professional filmmaker uh, and and, uh, and and wonderful occultist in your own right, uh, you have left us the best record the best record we have of Fred and his work. Uh, so uh, uh, I I want I want to get you to talk about how you made the film and 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 and. Uh, and all that you went through to make the film, uh, and, 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 and then we'll then we'll talk about what's in the film, okay? But but start off sure. and tell us how you, how you made it. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I had um, met well, courtesy of you, Poke. I met Fred in about um, I think it was 1970, and um, maybe 71, but right in there. And um, I was immediately taken with 
um, Sarah Ferry and Fred and Svetlana and what they were doing, you know, these solstice and equinox rituals and cross quarters. And it was just very beautiful. There was so much beauty to what they were doing and um, the kind of the fairy feeling of it, you know, the lightness and all the time being out in nature and especially being out in nature at night or, you know, unusual times like that and going to mountaintops. It, it just had this poetry. It drew me in. And so I proposed um, to Fred at that time to make um, a film, which I did make, called uh, Dance for the Goddess. That was a, a short film. I think it's about uh, 20 minutes long. Um, and it, it has it shows, you know, Paraphernalia doing four, uh, two solstice and two equinox rituals in a, a one-year-long time lapse so I could tie them together. Um, it's it's uh, something that seems to speak very well, you know, to pagans who kind of an, have an idea of what, what it is to have a, a seasonal festival. Um, but, you know, it's, it was kind of esoteric, and I wanted to um, maybe get Fred's teachings out to a larger audience. He was getting a little ill, maybe towards the late 80s. So I proposed to him that I would start interviewing him. And in 1989, I did start um, down there. He was still living in Southern California at that time, and, um, which is where he had, you know, lived for most of his life. Um, and um, so we, you know, we started doing interviews and this process continued for a long time, but he was very encouraging of me, like going to a lot of these sacred sites in Europe. He had gone to with Svetlana earlier and, and he knew people. And so he was able to connect me with people and tell me what sites to go to and, you know, what was important. Um, and so I did, I, I bought, you know, the, it was video equipment and not film and, um, and we, you know, I went, I should say, not we, because I, I actually did this alone um, for three months and traveled to uh, Scotland, England, Ireland, Greece, Malt, Crete, Crete, and Turkey. And, and I went to all these places that were incredibly ancient sites that at that time, and this was 1971, uh, 1991, excuse me, um, it, it was kind of a little off the radar. People weren't really talking about uh, sacred sites and goddess things very much. I mean, there was there were some people, but not that much. And so I was able to get into all these sites and spend time in them alone that you can't that you have to make like reservations six months ahead now to get into like Newgrange. I was able to go in there literally alone with a guard on the outside just to make sure that I was safe. I had magical experiences. You know, you can't really get into these places alone anymore. They take you on tours if you're lucky enough to get in. But, um, but, you know, I went to phenomenal places and met all these wonderful people, um, many of them suggested by Fred and then other people that I met through friends of friends of friends. And, um, you know, I met these teachers that wound up being 15 people. He, Fred encouraged me to interview uh, other teachers and especially women. And I did that. And um, over the course of literally 20 years, I eventually got that film edited, completely shot and edited and brought it out in around 2010, had a premiere at a local uh, uh, documentary film festival, and it worked out quite well. Um, you know, and really, if you, if you look back, it's like, you know, Fred had been reading all these books about, you know, Margaret Murray and the God of the Witches and Robert Graves and other, you know, books that went back even further, um, uh, The Golden Bough and so on. And he hadn't really, you know, it hadn't gelled for them. And then, and then one day, just out of the clear blue, he had this vision of a goddess. And that was the thing. That was 1956, which was a long time ago. And he had a vision of the goddess, and it changed his life. And he spent basically the rest of his life trying to make people aware about the divine feminine and how important it is. 
And, um, you know, and that, that led to all these other things. It led to fair, it was, well, the first name for it was uh, the Hesperides Fellowship. It had gradually evolved into having the new name of Feriferia. Um, and that became incorporated in, as a legal church in 1967 on, on Lamas Day, actually. And, um, but it, it evolved into all these things, which, you know, the films that I have made and, you know, the influence that it's had on Polk and the OTA and through them, many other people, um, you know, and, and also Fred's art was so amazing and continues to be amazing that it was, um, it was featured on the cover of like the Los Angeles or, or the Southern California Oracle, which was a big, you know, free newspaper back in that late sixties that people saw. And I, I truly am certain that seeing those big pictures on the front of the Oracle of, of the goddess, that really got a lot of people thinking, well, oh, goddess, you know, yeah, that's a good idea. There should be a goddess. I, I seriously think that seeing those pictures made a huge, huge impact on people. And, um, and that it's had a, an ongoing ripple effect that goes on, obviously, even today. So that's, that's how I got started on making Dancing with Gaia and shooting, you know, all over these places and with all these different people. And that's how it happened. Well, it's an absolutely beautiful film. As I recall, you started off uh, filming, filming uh, Farrafarian seasonal ceremonies. And I remember what the one, one, the one that I was in, it was up there at Chileo in the middle of winter. And, and it was so cold that we, <laughs> that we were all, we all were, we're dancing around the hinge and having our teeth were shattering. Uh, oh yeah. And and I think there there's a couple of clips of that uh, in the in the film. Uh, I'm wearing yeah. a blue robe and I and my my lips are purple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But but then then there were then there were the the, the then there were all those uh, stop action. You had you had uh, uh, cameras out in the woods. Uh, so you set to take uh, uh, to take pictures uh, so that we can follow the seasons with with the film, you know, and right. and and, uh, and, 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 and 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 you incorporated some of that 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 particular film didn't come across, but you used some of the footage in in Dancing with Gaia, as I recall, right? Right? right. Yes, that's how that worked. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, it's and, actually but, uh, that that original film is it's sort of it's on YouTube. It's kind of hidden. I I don't know. If, I think people could probably find it if they really tried. But uh, it's called A Dance for the Goddess, and probably has my name, Joe Carson. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but if people really wanted to, they could probably find it. It's a fun film to look at. Yeah, it's it uh, it was beautiful there, and there was some. Uh, I think that that there's uh, there there's there's uh, early Farrafarian rituals. Uh, uh, I think we I think Chris, I think we got a glimpse of Chris Quinn on one of them, and and uh, and uh, and uh, Doc Macy and and, and Lily. Uh, it's all the old Farrafarian guiding, uh, along with a number of OTA people too. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's. Uh, uh, the, the film is absolutely beautiful, but but of course, I think that 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 uh, uh, the interview scenes, the the interview scenes on the uh, when Fred is Fred's teaching, especially landscape forms, uh, mm-hmm. and this is the best the best uh, 
visual record that we have of of a great American master, and I I, I really I, I really encourage I encourage everyone listening uh, if if you have never if you've never been exposed to anything from Fred Adams, for heaven's sake, this is one you 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 this is the film you have to have in your film library. Dancing mm-hmm. with Gaia, but yeah, and and as I said, uh, Amazon is saying that they that that, that that they're not even they're not even sure they're going to carry it. Uh, they just they just they just want to know right now. They want to know how much you, we want it, and so therefore I'm I'm encouraging help us out here and 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 uh, and uh, go on go on Amazon and and go to go da- go to Dancing with Gaia. And and, uh, and tell them you want it, and, and that that way uh, that way. By the way, I just got the barcodes who just came in today, so oh, uh, so yeah, we're all set. To, you know, now, I, got, I want I to got mention for those right for what? those who don't know it, and probably most people don't know it. It, it does have uh, additional scenes, like um, you know, that didn't fit in the main part of the movie. But um, DVD extras under that title, and, and you can go there and you see additional interview material with um, Fred there. And, uh, and also there's a booklet, like a 45-page color booklet that does come with the film packed in the DVD um, package with it um, that expands on the material of film. So uh, I just wanted to mention that that's part of the package. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the booklet is, 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 uh, will really help you help you uh get the most out of the film and and uh and then, then as i say periphery has a beautiful website and and uh and uh, i really encourage all of you to go there it's just periphery.org uh and uh anyway uh we have some time left uh, uh lady joe would you uh would you like to uh, talk about Farifaria for, for a while. I would absolutely love to talk about Farifaria, and I just did a little search to see whether Amazon's version of Dancing with Gaia was coming up, and it didn't um, show up. If, a, if you do type Dancing with Gaia by Joe Carson, there's a lot of you know, mentions of it, various aspects of the film, um, and of course it is for sale already on my own website, uh, dancingwithgaia.com. Um, Let's see. But if you want to wait for Amazon, I'm sure that sooner or later they will get it together. Um, Let's see what I want to say about Farifaria. Right. So it was incorporated as a a church, you might say, with the specific goal to reactivate what they call, Celan and Fred, the timeless initiatic code of planet Earth. And that's kind of a mouthful, the timeless initiatic code. Of planet Earth. And what that means is that by participating in an active physical way with the seasonal ceremonies that Fair Fairy offers, that within each of those seasonal ceremonies, there are, um, uh, I don't want to say secrets, there are experiences that you can obtain that are unique, that have something to do with the great vast movements of the earth. It, it's it's the kind of experience that you can't really get without in a way physically participating. The simplest analogy I can make is that when people dance around the Maypole, right, at the springtime, that's such a quintessentially springtime activity and everybody kind of immediately gets that, right? But 
there's also um, truth to, you know, the essence of each of the ceremonies, each of the rituals of the season has its own um, poetry. Um, we have a ritual for the um, the Samhain time, you know, the time where it's the fall, where it's, it's the high fall, we're in the middle of the fall season, uh, everything's going down into the earth, people say the veils between the worlds are thin, spirits can come out of the earth, people can in their trance bodies do a trance and visit, you know, the spirits of the dead, um, which in fact is how I've been able to communicate with the spirit of Fred Adams is by doing these trance journeys, especially at Samhain time and checking in with him and and as a matter of fact, getting his, his enthusiastic approval for this tarot deck that we're putting together. So, um, uh, you know, each, each seasonal, seasonal moment, it's like the mood of the earth. It has its own value. And that's, that's something that's actually, in a way, unique. I mean, a lot of, to Fair Feria, a lot of other pagan groups do, you know, seasonal ceremonies. But, but we have our own particular approach that, that does have the idea that these are not just festivals but they're also initiations and i just thought i would emphasize that for a moment because i think it's kind of unique and the other things that that fair feria does that are unique are you know we do you know seek out the fairy folk and we make our outdoor hinges and and uh celebrate outdoors and call in the great fae and the the uh elemental fae and bring them in and when we when we do our rituals they're there with us it's a poetic approach. A lot of it is about poetry and song and dance. Yeah. Oh. Well, before we uh, before we uh, close this evening, I I'd like to recommend something else. Uh, mm-hmm. Another item. Uh, we have just uh, we have just published uh, the Seventh Ray uh, Journal Omnibus Edition. That's a, a a 270-page uh, hardback, uh, mostly facsimiles of the old seventh rays from back when, when uh, from back in the days when when you when you were first initiated into the OTA. I mean, this is you know we this journal. In fact, we have uh, one of your articles when you uh, when you were you were called Sister Ariadne. Uh, uh, you know, you're you're not you're now Ariel, but uh, uh, you were first year. You were Sister Ariadne in those days, and you had been over to Nepal, and and there's an article in there uh, by you on on Bun on on the Bon religion, uh, uh, you know, of the of the Himalayas, and uh, and there's. Uh, a uh, number, of, and, and there's an article by Fred Adams called "On the Wedding in the West," which is, which is primarily a relation to my my wedding to, to Sister Artemis, uh, and and uh, and then uh, uh, which Fred officiated at, and uh, this 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 uh, seventh ray omnibus, uh, <laughs> it had. Originally, we had planned to run a humorous piece called Neo Pagan Comics, uh, which uh, featured a uh, cartoon version of myself and Fred Adams and and, and others. And it, it, but at the last minute, we decided that it, uh, that it was a little too uh, controversial, and so we we dropped it out. However, I said 
I sent a copy of it uh, to you, uh, which you should get in a couple of days, with your copy of the omnibus. So you can oh, chuckle. You. you could chuckle. Yeah, you can chuckle over Neil Pagan comics from, uh, and then you'll realize, of course, when you see it, you'll realize why we why we dropped it out. I and, yeah. And we did, yeah, we did the same thing uh, with the with, with uh, an article we had in the in the in the, uh, the Green Ray, you know, the Ray before this one. Uh, we we call we they have the rays are all different colors, but the green ray uh, was was book three, and we had a satire on Kenneth Grant's uh, sex magic books, which are excruciatingly explicit, clinical, <laughs> clinically explicit, to the point where they just cry out for a satire. So we. Well, we did a satire called Beyond the Nostrils of New Wit and and, and, and took all the sexual stuff and made it nasal. And and uh, we were all set to run it back to the, back in twenty eleven. We were all set to run it and we we're just about to go to the print shop and Dave Finnan called up and said, Hey Pope, Kenneth Grant just passed away. Oh, so no. we thought, Oh gosh, we no, we can't do this. We, we yeah. so we pulled it and ran Sherlock Holmes and the Necronomicon instead. And but but uh, we we we've got we've got beyond the, the nostrils of new wit in this omnibus edition. We decided to to run it, but this time we thought Kenneth. And curiously enough, just about the, about the same day that we we took the omnibus to the print shop, Stephanie Grant, his his wife. Uh, finally passed away his widow, so hmm. uh, uh, but I don't think yeah we sat there at her artwork. So uh, yeah, but I don't think that either I don't think either Kenneth or Steffi will will mind because uh, uh, but anyway I I sent I sent your copy off and you should get it in a couple of days and Thank you. Uh, and and thanks thanks uh, and by the way that's another one that uh, that, that Amazon kind of wants to know whether you people want it or not. So uh, uh, get the omnibus issue. If, 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 if nothing, if the, the cartoons from the old seventh ray are worth the whole <laughs> issue. Anyway, thank you so much, uh, uh, Lady Cho, for uh, coming on board and giving us a rundown on the Enneosphere and, uh, and on your film. And... Um, you know, Poke, I got one more thing I want to say. Can I say one more thing? Okay, what? Well, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You there, go there, ahead. Is say one more a, there is a future project. I just want to mention it because I know I'm swamped with getting the tarot done. But nonetheless, I want people to know that at some point after the tarot is done, as soon as possible, I'm going to start putting together online classes on Farifaria. So that there'll be some buttons that you can push and you can sign up and, and learn Farifaria and learn how to do Farifaria and how to integrate that into your life and, you know, bring in the poetry and the magic into your own life. So I just, I just want to let people know that that's coming. It's a little bit down the road, but that's our next project. Oh, that's wonderful. Anyway, uh, my best, uh, my best to John and, 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 yeah, and your son Dylan and, and uh, you all, all of you be well and, and God is, and God is, and God bless. And, and, uh, uh, we'll see you soon at Evelyn Corey and and uh, we yeah. Evelyn Corey. Okay. Bye bye. Bye.